0: good morning everyone hello this is Amy Winslow, and um, we are going to get started with the product business show here we have a lot of new people that came on board last week so uh, thank you very much for that and welcome it's, it's my honor and privilege we get to do these every other Monday for you at 11 o'clock Pacific time so with that um, happy Monday this is the start of a brand new week and for everyone guess what we are at about 28 weeks left in the year so whatever your annual goal was you have 28 weeks left to have it happen no pressure but it's really easy to lose track of time right to get caught up in the day-to-day and think december or the end of the year is so far away that you have this infinite amount of time well if you're coming into the start of summer vacation for your kids and, and you know, your family, it can get really distracting. So I wanted to bring this up before we dive into the content about writing compelling marketing copy. And this is going to be very interactive today. Marketing copy is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And um, so I will leave time for questions. I'm going to give you a little bit of content here at the beginning, and then we'll dive into questions. So please ask questions that is the way for you to create the most value for yourself out of these shows is for you to engage ask questions think about how it applies to your project and do that mental translation from what i'm saying to your specifics okay so with that let me give you a little bit of logistics i'm amy wenslow i'm the ceo of products to profit and the host of the product business show This is a community of innovators, entrepreneurs, business people, and inventors that are really looking to to build product businesses both online and offline here in the U.S. and globally. So um, we like to work with people that are doing physical products, and I would love for you to share this show out and share the message out and, and connect us to anybody you feel could really use some support doing a better job of building their product business without the risk of a ton of inventory. So that is our specialty and crossing the Grand Canyon gap from early stage startup to actually having a business that is up and running and moving and is attractive in creating the kind of sales that you really desire to see inside your business and what is really in your heart to have created in the world. So, with that, um, when it comes time to questions, if you've got a question around something that's not related to marketing copy, you are more than welcome to ask that, and um, I will do my very best to take absolute pristine care of you. So, what makes marketing copy and text good? Because that's really the question, right? Like, a lot of us can write something, but that doesn't mean that it's good, and that doesn't mean that it's compelling or that it's meeting the goal and purpose that you want. So, you know, writing good marketing copy or text, the other name for it, marketing copy, is an industry term. Writing good marketing copy is an art because it creates connection and builds trust. And that is an art. It is something that connects new ideas together new concepts together and then it connects the people and the product together so good marketing copy has it make messages come into our consciousness easier faster better and causes a reaction causes an emotion a connection and a response so when you're writing marketing copy um there's a few things to keep in mind at the beginning of it, and I'll just run through these. So we do a lot of marketing copy. Now, for anybody who is not familiar with the term, marketing copy is a very broad term, okay? There is different kinds of marketing copy. A lot of people don't know this, but there are upwards of 10 or 11 different types. Depending on who you're listening to. Okay, so the two broad categories are direct response, direct mail, uh, direct email. Um, it could also be television, but it's it's designed to speak specifically to a person and create a, an exact response. So you have direct mail, you have print advertisements, um, you could have online ads, emails. Uh, television or other video scripts, um, press releases, billboards, um, online and offline brochures. Um, if you are pitching to investors, your pitch deck is has copy in it, has marketing copy. Um, if you are doing a trade show signage, that has copy to it, um, brochures, Packaging is a massive one. We do a lot of packaging work, and we um, also write a lot of video scripts. But one additional one that most of you are already doing in some capacity or another are social media posts. Social media posts are a form of copy, okay? Now, these are all very, very different. Their purpose is different, and the tone is very different, okay? So what you're able to do within them is... Different based on a few criteria, okay, so writing good marketing copy, first and foremost, what is the purpose of the the copy? What is it you are trying to have happen and that you are committed to and that you're taking a stand for as the action? So, you, when you're talking to people that write copy, we'll say, well, what's the CTA? And what that means is what's the call to action? What do we want to have happen because a person read this and took action? Um, So you're going to think about your CTA, okay? Call to action. So that's the purpose of your copy. Some copy that is out now that people are talking about as copy is actually more content marketing. So if you're writing blog articles... And the intent of the blog is to simply inform people. It's not to sell something or marketing something, then really it's more content type of copy than straight up direct response or um, even delayed response uh, type of marketing. So if your intent is to simply inform people, then really you're doing content writing, not so much marketing copy. The distinction there, okay? So you're going to look at the purpose of the copy, and then the who you're, who you're being, um, how you relate to people is connected to the tone of the copy. Are you going to be funny? Are you going to have a little bit of sass? Are you going to do a little bit of a throw the gauntlet down? Is it aspirational? Those are all different tones of copy. And one of the really big things that you're going to look at is who do you want to connect with? who is the target audience, and then related to that, it's how they take in information. Are they more visual? Are they auditory? Are they going to be looking at a video? Are they going to be reading it? Are they picking it up while their kids are pulling at their pant legs, you know, walking through some store aisle? All of those things affect the copy, okay? So, like I said before, good copy is an art. Okay, good writing is an art. We are in a connection economy, and that means that we need to connect the disconnected pieces, the disconnected ideas, the audience that doesn't know about a product. The um, psychology that's going on is very um, splintered in a lot of ways. There's a lot of distraction going on. But we are in a connection economy. It is much more about authenticity, relatability, um, connectedness, and trust. Uh, all of those pieces are part of a connection economy. So copy is a bridge to connect those, those disparate pieces. Um, one of the things I wanted to make sure to mention here is that good copy takes time and space to do it. By that I mean mental space okay if you are doing an email campaign and you are trying to write it in five minutes your copy will not be very good okay doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter if you're John Carlton you know famous copywriter uh, Jay Levinson any of those guys the copy will be better if you give yourself a bit of time with it now do not use that as an excuse for your email campaign to never get out it must do what uh, Seth Godin talks about as ship. It must be delivered to the market because that is its purpose. And if you're not delivering your message into the market, then really it, it doesn't matter that you wrote it, right? Um, at least in terms of marketing. Now, so good marketing copy takes time and space and you'll see why in just a minute here because I'm going to talk you through the process of writing good copy in broad strokes and then we can take some questions here. So um, on average good copy for say a medium-sized email like we're looking at I don't know 400 words something like that Um, could take you an hour and a half to two hours if you're good at it. If you're not good at it it could take you 10 minutes and you would think you'd be done. Um, There is structure to the the message here though okay so if you are writing it for packaging you have more space constraints we do a lot of this Um, matter of fact that's what i'm spending a good portion of my day doing today is writing copy Um, when you are writing for packaging there's a different environment that the person is in when they're reading it there is a different purpose to it so it's distinctly different than when you're writing a sales page or a sales email, okay? So let's dive into the process here. I'm going to give you some some steps. These are in pretty close to sequential order. You may find that your process varies a little bit. Um, this is mine. I tend to do my planning for copy up on a gigantic whiteboard. Um, for anyone who's been in this particular office, you'll you'll know that I have a 10 foot by 10 foot whiteboard wall, um, that is frequently where content and copy ideas and all of that gets put. Okay, so you want to give yourself some place to scribble down ideas. You're going to need a couple sheets of paper, something like that. Okay. So first off, you have to define the intent of what it is you're writing Um, because the intent of it will give you information like how much space do you have what's the length um, what's the type of it and it can also give you some insight into the tone that you need to take and um, the intent is more about well what are you trying to cause okay and what is your overall strategy and process for it so if you are writing content and marketing copy that's going to be in a sequence of emails, for example, you would spread your content over X number of emails, right? Um, so you wouldn't try and fit it all in. If your strategy is that, oh, this is copy for a package, you want to define the intent, which is going to be much more factual, right? It's going to be, Get these benefits across this thing, you know, have them understand this, apply, comply with these legal standards, etc. Um So it's more factual. You have less space for story. Your visuals become really important for carrying the, the message, okay? So decide your intent so that you know how long it is, the type, the tone, how much space you have. And please do yourself the favor of defining your audience. Um, There's a phrase out there called a customer avatar. That's a very, very helpful thing to do. Um, We have a couple different avatars in our business. An avatar is the demographics and psychographics of the particular audience. So there are some big words for you. I'm happy to come back to them if anybody wants me to. But the, the psychographics and the psychology of your audience, as well as who they are, what are they buying? Those kinds of things um, tell you a lot about how to talk to them, you know, um, how to connect with them. And it's our job as communicators to speak in a language that the other people can understand, okay? So you'll hear me do things like this even on this show where I say, oh, copy is text, because I realize that I have to translate the word copy for some of you that may never have heard it right um even the word avatar so an avatar is a list of the psychology or the demographics and the kind of the energy of the person that you're writing to i like to actually have a picture in my head or literally on my desk of the type of client i'm writing to or sometimes i'll actually pull up a photo of one of our actual clients Um, that an offer, it it could be somebody who's already in a particular program and I'm writing new copy for that program. Um, And so I will actually picture a real person. Um, Or if you're new or it's a new offer, you don't have those, you could pick, you know, a magazine photo that looks like the person. Like if you're writing to a soccer mom, pull out a picture of a soccer mom in the car with kids in the back seat, right? So uh, defining your audience and your customer avatar in your process is really important and you should do it early because how you speak to that uh, type of person with those concerns is potentially different, okay? So the third thing you want to do is have a list of benefits and the features of whatever the offer is. So it, for packaging, it's the contents of the box, for example and what the different features on the product may be. Um, You could handle those a lot of different ways depending on what the product is. Like you might have an instruction sheet that has marketing copy to it. You could have a box that has marketing copy. You can have the combination of the two. It's really varied. So you want to write out a list of the benefits and the features of the product, okay? Um, It's really important because this will have you Write differently, and you'll be able to weave some of the benefits into other areas than just say a contents list, okay. Um, another thing that's really helpful for various types of copy is a list of credentials. So you want to write out um, is it have you won certain awards? Um, have you spoken at different places? Are there memberships to professional organizations or certifications? or if your project, your product is a very heavily engineered product. You know, if you're a Harvard engineer, for example, that might be important. You know, you want to kind of list some of those. Um, I was doing this process with a, a good friend of mine on Saturday evening, and turns out she had this whole big long list of credentials that she's never used anywhere. I mean... Outstanding credentials that would be super sexy to the people that were reading her emails. Um, and she's going to put out a new offer and do some really, really cool things for people for an amazing price. And she had never thought to use credentials. And it's not like you're going to list them all, but you might find that there's something in there that's just absolutely golden. Like, we were able to weave in that, you know, she's on the board of the Pasadena Angels Investment Group. And so this particular thing that she's going to do is going to bring the eyes of an investor to looking at the financials and the operations inside a business and give you a list of things to clean up that, if you're going for investment capital, would be very, very helpful to do. So your list of credentials can give you some really great springboards. Um, and some really strong pieces that people will relate to differently. Okay. So the next part of the process is after you get this list of uh, benefits and the features of the product, you want to look at the list of credentials possibly, and there will be some things that pop out if you're good at brainstorming with this. And you want to write down these snippets of text that will just kind of come out. Okay, so they become snippets of story or little uh, inspiring analogies that you could use. Like we talked about one on Saturday for her that is uh, relating a company to a person's body and how if one part goes out of balance, then, you know, if you have a, a sprained ankle on your left foot, then sometimes your right hip ends up sore. Or your back ends up sore because you're limping because you're accommodating something right so snippets of story give you analogies that you can use okay then i want you to consider the tone and like i gave the example before that's are you going to be funny are you going to be serious um because you're going to write very differently based on the tone that you want to have right and some of that is related to who you want to be as a business Um, our tone in my emails is very much a uh, professional friendly it's got a little bit of sass a little bit of energy to it and it's pretty upbeat because when i say something like you need to pay attention to this because we're usually pretty upbeat um, where we go for emphasis really gets paid attention to so you can play with tone Um, so i want you to consider the tone of the piece that you're writing and that is going to relate to who is the audience, who's that avatar that you're writing to, and then next thing is really, really important. What is the call to action, right? What's your CTA? You must, 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 and by the way, must, um, consider that. What are you causing to have happen? So write the call to action. Um, You're gonna write one of the last pieces, which is the draft I call it a crappy first draft of the actual text now this is something that if you're practiced at it can be really really fun I love doing it Um, it's a really important step do not try and get it perfect what you're going to do is just open a Word document and you're just going to start okay And if you're working on packaging, you're going to have your package next to you and you're going to be um, writing snippets of text either on a sheet of paper or in a Word document that you think are important to go somewhere. Packaging is really tough. Writing copy for packaging is an act of mastery because you don't have a lot of space. So this crappy first draft is is meant to get you into action. We wrote the first draft and refined it for this offer on Saturday um, for my friend in about an hour and ten minutes. Now it needs cleanup. It's rough. It's really good. She she was really excited. Um, and what you want to keep in mind is that your brain is designed to keep you safe. It's designed to have you not do things that are new, so it will come up with reasons that you can't write it right now. Oh, you shouldn't. It's going to take all day, etc. Write the first draft and do it, like just sit down and do it, right? Um, so it's really, really important that you get that out because then you can refine it if you choose to. You could use it. You could see that, oh, this is better done in multiple pieces. Maybe this text belongs over here on the box. This other belongs on an instruction sheet. Oh, this third little snippet of stuff, that really should be over on our website, right? Like, you're going to move it around. Okay. so with that, I'm going to open up the phone lines to take questions, because I know I spoke really fast today. Um, And I want to hear your questions about writing Marketing copy, or anything else that you want to ask about for your business, you can press star two, and that's going to raise your hand to ask a question. If you're on the phone lines, if you're on the webcast, I am paying attention to the Q and A, so you can just type something in on that. Um, That's interesting. Um, Someone is asking me is saying that the webcast is looking like uh, it's connected, but there's no sound through web call. Can't tell if there's a webinar today or not. And they're asking me to do the Facebook Lives again. Um, I will consider it. It's just a lot of technology to manage, so we have to do this in a way that um, makes sense for everybody. So I will I will consider that. Um, if you're on the phone lines, you can press star 2. That will raise your hand. I see we've got a question from a phone number ending in 7133. Hi there. What's your
1: question? It's Lizette. I mean, how are you? Hey, Lizette. Hi. <laughs> Good. Um, so my question, thank you, uh, by the way, for all this talk. It's really insightful. Um, and I, my question comes to uh, relating to the avatar um I've done a mm-hmm. little bit of research of trying to find out exactly who my customer is, but how do you do that like um it's probably I think one of my biggest things for me is like well how how do I know what they actually like? Well, that's different
0: what they actually like and who they oh, would well, they are resonate the to question
1: right so well, maybe the who cool, do um, they resonate to on a copy
0: okay, so you're talking about messages are you talking about ads? or
1: package or particular area? So this would be my ad. So for me, we are in the process mm-hmm. of creating the copy for our website as well as, let's say, our Amazon listing and mm-hmm. um, or the ones on Bye Bye Baby. Um, how do I know what is going to resonate with the limited amount of text that I can write?
0: Yeah, you know, Those all have very different limitations in the amount of copy, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The closest that you mentioned would be like Bye Bye Baby website and Amazon listings. Those are the most similar.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So first off, if you have existing customers, which I know you do, um, looking at what caused them to buy is a good place to go if you can. Um, I'm saying that for everybody on the call. I know more background information. For everybody's information, Lizette's one of our clients. So, um, mm-hmm. Lizette, I know I owe you an email, so you will get that from okay. me after this. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> no worries. So yeah, no worries. You'll, you'll get that. We'll take care of it. Um, <laughs> so so when you are doing website copy, um, you have more space to make it be um, more story-driven right, and web copy for your website specifically. Um, You Mm -hmm. have a lot more ability to put testimonials in, to have images that you have control over the layout, right? So Mm -hmm. web copy is, it actually has less parameters that you must absolutely file. There's less fences, right? There's a lot more choice. Um, Mm -hmm. So that can be really wild west for a lot of people. It's easier to write compelling copy when you actually have boundaries, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. It's easier to to distill down, right? Um, It does take more time. So first off, you would want to run some data analytics, like we talked about, on existing customers, if you can, um, because that'll tell you more about the demographic of them. The avatar for you, I know we've talked about, um, if you want to share what the product is, you know, I'm happy to have you do that and say what it is to people.
1: Um, Sure. Um, So for those that don't know us, um, we are the founders of Infantech. We came up with the Zuby, which is a baby monitor for cars, and we primarily um, sell to first-time moms because we're helping them uh, give them peace of mind specifically when they're driving. Um, so if I could share, Amy, on our, who I think our demographic mm-hmm. is, it's the sure. millennial mom aged between 25 to 35, maybe even 40. Okay, so here's, this is an awesome distinction for everybody, okay?
0: So that could be your end user, but I don't know that that's mm-hmm. really the avatar of who you're – Marketing talks to, or should talk to. I know. I
1: um, well, Tim actually went back and looked at some analytics, and he told he was saying, "Hey, it looks like it might be. He thinks that might item. be right. Yeah.
0: That is You're it. Right. Is a gift or is it the self purchasers?
1: Um, so that I don't know yet. Whether he thinks See, that's the self purchasers. Okay, so if, if it is
0: primarily a self-purchase item, then cool, your end user is your avatar, right? So Mm -hmm. when you have something that's a gift item, it's kind of intriguing because you have, you actually have to talk to two sets of people. You have to talk to the person who's the end user and to the person who's giving the gift. Now, For the, for everybody, right? Zuby is a baby product, which means there's usually baby registries, there's gift lists, there's wish lists on Amazon, you name it, right? So those are usually self-generated lists, meaning the end user puts something on the list, and then people go buy off that list, because it's safe. It's the safe way to give it the present, right? Yeah. Um, so in that case, you really are able to use the end user as the avatar right for anybody who is on here whose item is strongly gift and there's no registry component you have to consider the gift giver and the gift receiver like we have another project we're working on today that is exactly that that case and so we have to drive the traffic for the people who are looking to give a gift to this type of avatar so it's actually a two-step. So for you, um, your end user, if they're putting it on registries or they're putting it on a gift list or a baby shower list, then your avatar is the end user. Okay? Okay. Then what you would do is you're going to run some ads and you're going to split them. Inside Facebook, for example, you would run a campaign and you would put, say, uh, 20 ads in the campaign that are targeted toward the end consumer and 20 that are targeted towards the gift people. And you can use tracking pixels to see which one gets you the most revenue. Mm. If you're driving the traffic to your website. If you're driving it to an Amazon listing, that's tougher to get the direct correlation, but you could run some Amazon related ads and do it that way. So you want to actually test, because sometimes you'll see a lot of clicks happen from the end user, but then they put it on a registry, and the buyer is actually the aunt, the mom, you know, like the the future Mm. grandma, we'll say it that way. So, but it, I think you have a two-step process. Got it. Which is... Yeah. That's one of the things I was thinking about over the weekend for you. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so you can you might actually when you're writing things have two separate avatars that you're writing to here in the mm-hmm. the earlier stages of testing the campaigns and then see which one drives the most revenue and put your money into that like 75% of the budget into that one that creates money, and 25% into the one that supports it.
1: Got it. Does that make sense? Yep. Thank you.
0: Cool. You're welcome. So I'm going to mute your line for your privacy, and if anybody else has a question, you can press star 2 on the phone line to raise your hand. And on the webcast, we are looking at the Q&A, but based on – oh, here we go – Got it. So we've got. Um, okay. Got it. All right. We have a bunch of things coming on the webcast side. Um, Would I consider video inserts copy because a fifteen-second video can replace pages of technical words and explanations? um it looks like this that's probably from steve over at glide guy so video inserts as copy the copy in a video is actually the script of the video the spoken words um, and it can kind of include the written words that may appear on the screen And if you have pages of technical words and explanations, then something is wrong. Like, really, you need to cut that down for, Steve, uh, for your product in particular, if that's your question. Um, Because what you're doing shouldn't be that technical. So um, sometimes we see instructions get way into the details, and that comes from not considering how the audience needs to hear and absorb what you're showing, okay, so in that case, you might want to look at some illustrations instead of some things if you're talking about a printed piece for web copy, um, I would do a video over a you know whole reams of installation instructions, I would do highlights of the installation instructions and then do a video showing it. Um, so there we go, and then. What if you have lots of different types of audiences? That is a great question. If you have different types of audiences, like I was just talking with Lizette about, um, you can have avatars for the different types of audiences. And based on where you're, say, putting an ad or what market a video is, you know, a television ad if you were doing that for some reason, or you want to look at what is the avatar for where you're putting that piece of copy okay, for the format of the copy and where it's going and what you're trying to cause. So the call to action is, could be different for each of those audiences, or you're driving people to the same sales page, but what gets them there is different. So you, if you think about it like spokes in a wheel, that might help you. Um, but if you have a lot of different types of audiences, keep that in mind when you're writing, Okay. If you try to have one piece be general for everybody and you have a lot of variety to your audiences, you will lose the impact of your writing for a great many people, okay? Keep it in mind. Um, So let's see. Okay, so that's everything from the webcast right now. And then um, for anybody on the phone line, you press star 2 to raise your hand. That will... um, let me know that you've got a question if you have copy that isn't working um, this usually comes up about now how do you know if your copy is good or bad right if you are making sales and um, so if you're making sales then you have something that works about your copy and your process it could be something in your sales process that overcomes the bad copy or it could be that your copy is really great and So depending on what you're selling and how you sell it, you want to look at your sales numbers. If you are getting sales, but then you're getting a lot of returns of a product or a service or something like that, then there is an unmet um, promise that is in your copy. And you have two choices. You can look to the quality of the product, the fit of the product to the audience, or are you overpromising in your copy because you think you need to? Right? Are you overselling what it does in a way that is doing you a disservice if you're getting like crazy amounts of returns? Um, if you are not getting sales, um, you have a couple problems. It could be that you're not getting traffic to the offer, wherever the offer is placed. Um, it could be that the visuals are incompatible or the quality of the videos, the visuals is incompatible with what you are putting out as your product um it could be that your your marketing text is horrible um if if it has no impact and it's namby Tamby and it's filled with things like maybe could should and it's wishy-washy you are not going to get people to take your your offer period if you are wishy-washy about it Since sales and marketing are a transfer of energy, you're going to transfer wishy-washy and namby-pamby and wishy-washy again, okay? So um, take a look for definiteness. If you cannot say that you've worked with, quote, hundreds of people, right, if you don't have that, or you can't say the kind of things that we do, like we have two sharks from Shark Tank that send clients to us, If you can't say that with definiteness and authenticity and you know, ethically, and have it be true, then you need to find something else to quote, right? Um, for example, you know, we had somebody recently where they said, "Well, it's about 50 people. It's about 50 uh, companies that I've worked with X, Y, Z way." And I said, "Okay, well, about 50 is not going to cut it. What can you get behind?" And I said, "Could you get behind dozens?" And they were like, yes, I can do that. Because they were like, well, it might only be 42, right? So because they were wobbly about it, we have to strike that 50, right? Because it doesn't work. Because every time they're in a sales conversation and they're they're saying that number, they're going to be wishy-washy and they're going to undermine their own sales, okay? So keep that in mind when you're quoting numbers. Um, I have time for one more question, if anybody has one. And if not, we will uh, move on with our days. Awesome. We've got a bunch of people on the webcast. Let's see. Okay. We will take a look at the webcast process just for everybody. Thanks for letting me know that it was a little wonky today. Um, Let's see. Oh, and... Oh, Steve! Congratulations, Glide Guys made it onto the Inventor Showdown on Evine Shopping Channel for August. So everybody, watch out for that. Um, Steve has been on the show for a long time here. He's he's a, a regular listener, and um, so made it onto the Inventor Showdown on Evine Shopping Channel for August. So if you are on the Evine Shopping Channel in August, pay attention. Uh, you'll see Glide Guys. Uh, furniture glides there, so, um, cool, let me refresh the page, yep, Oh, Dale from Envirolube uh, wrote in, you are correct in that you have to redirect copy to different avatars because each will have different benefits, so what is important to one group is not to another, exactly, Dale. Uh, it must be targeted, and he goes on to say, corrosion protection on boats is different than electronic connector protection. Yes. Um, Dale is a brilliant engineer for all things um, that are lubricants, and um, so we're working with him for a couple of products. Um, so, yes, exactly. If you have different avatars there, or even different products, different products will have different avatars. For example, we have three different, um, we work with consulting clients, we do one-day strategy sessions, we do service packages where we're taking on the whole project for people, and we have the product success program. The avatar for each of those is different. Um, so how we we address the marketing is different. So the product success program is much more focused for people that know that they want to build it as a business, they know that they want to do it with help because they want it to be smoothed out and the process to be, um, you know, they, they know it's going to take time, but they want it to not take a lot of time and they want to do it really effectively. That's the product success program. If someone needs something and they just want to get, you know, this one area, of information handled, or they just want to do licensing or something, then they shouldn't be in the product success firm. They should actually be working with us in consulting hours and let us just work in this narrow, focused way. Um, So if someone wants a packaging project, then they are looking for very specific deliverables. Um, They hopefully would already have the strategy and the pricing worked out. And so we're working on visuals and copy and some of the logistics pieces, right? So then they would be a services client for us. Those are all different avatars which, to be perfectly clear with you, could look the same from the outside, but the psychology is different, and the needs are different, so we have to handle it differently. So I just wanted to point that out and use us as an example so that everybody could understand how that works. If you have different avatars, you write to distinctly different uh, personality types. Like We have some, um, the people that are in the product success program want to be involved and they want to learn some and they want the adventure of building the business and they want to do it profitably. And they're usually super committed kind of people. And they're going to get in and we're going to work together with you and move you down the road so that's that program it's actually a training program that was designed because people asked me for about two years if I could teach them how to do product development and how to develop their businesses Um, and I kept saying no and uh, after about two years someone challenged me one of my mentors and said well if you were going to do it how would you have to do it and that's how that program came out literally in a weekend and the sales page, sales page was up in five days. Um, and our first sales page was effective. It created the first sale on that program, which is a fairly high-end program. Um, the first sale was with inside of a week. And that was done through good marketing copy and one phone call. And it was to somebody that I didn't even know. So just so you, if you think it has to take a long time, it doesn't. Um, Writing good copy is, like I said, an art, so know that. Um, Phone lines, press star 2 to raise your hand. And I'm going to check our Q&A on the webcast one more time. Okay. All right. Um, There is a question coming on the webcast here. Okay, got it. Um, how is the copy for my package different if I have a instruction insert okay so an instruction insert is a marketing opportunity for sure it should not be like buy more of my stuff buy more of my stuff buy more of my stuff on the instructional piece you need to give them what they came there for which is the benefit of the existing sale right but you also can do a soft upsell or uh, recommend an add-on item. So that's the kind of marketing copy you would do in instructions, okay? On a package, the marketing copy is to get people to buy the existing product that they're holding in their hands, okay? So it's really about, well, what are the features and benefits of that particular product for that market? If you are doing a package that goes across markets, um, like a lot of you have heard me talk about Loop Rope over the years because it's such a great example. We have three different markets that we were selling to for that. There was automotive, hardware, and outdoors. And so the package had to appeal to all of those. So there were some specific things we did in the text to do that. And since we were selling to you know get it done kind of guys because it's a bungee cord tie down item. Um all of the language on the package um was very supportive. It was very reinforcing like it's going to be simple um and it, so there's there's some things that we did that had that those particular psychologies um come out and and really take off quite effectively. So when you're doing for packaging, you're looking to sell the existing product, keep mention of future products to the inside of the package, um, except for maybe one or two lines, depending on how much room you have on your box, Okay, So that's the distinction there. Um, Let me just refresh, go over to the who's here. We've got one question. From the phone line, I think this is Steve from Glide Guys. Hey, uh, phone number ending in six three five four. Steve, is that you?
2: Yep, that's me. Had hey, a, congratulations! A quick, yeah, I just just found out Friday, so that's going to be like the first weekend weekend in uh, August. It's cool. actually a reality show that they started on there, so it's. You go up nice. against 16, 16 different inventors and they pick one each week and then in the final week they take the top four and they compete against each other.
0: That's awesome. So what's your question today?
2: Well, I was just wondering as far as packaging is concerned, I've, I've spoken to a couple of people and they said, well, have you checked on the legality, you know, factors of, you know, your packaging and, and what, what are the legal ramifications rep- that you'd have to watch, watch out for?
0: It depends on the, the product. So for everybody who's listening to me, um, what I would say to Steve is not necessarily what I would say to you, you know, meaning anybody else who's listening, okay? So when you're dealing with legalities of packaging, um, it has to do with anything like claims that you're making. Um, it could be like country of origin has to be on the product, okay? Um, f- there's There's things that are legalities. And then there's things that are retailer compliance if you're selling to retailers, okay? So some retailers have requirements above and beyond what is legally has to be there. So country of origin, um, you put contact information on the package. Um, It doesn't have to be the person's name, but, you know, you have to give people a way to contact the company. Um, For compliance with retailers, you can probably put that next to a UPC barcode. Um, if you are making claims on the package, you must be able to substantiate the claims. Like if you say, there's something called comparative claims. And for everybody, I am not an attorney, okay? So anything that sounds like legal advice, I will have you defer to your corporate attorney. For comparative claims, it's, oh, well, my product is more effective than say you were doing a detergent, you'd go, my product is more effective than Tide, right? That is a comparative claim. Um, we have on loop rope, a comparative claim is there, and it's uh, safer than bungee cords. And we can actually prove that, so we can do it, right? Um, so if you're going to make a comparative claim, you have to be able to substantiate it, okay? Okay. Um, what else would it be um, anything like if you're going to say that it holds up to a certain amount of weight, that's a claim you have to be able to show that um, and the testing standards are different. so for your product, um, the legalities i mean it's a furniture glide, really like what's the downside to this? You break somebody's furniture right that the installation is done badly, and the furniture breaks um you know, we have another client of ours that has a lot of legalities on their product, like a lot, because there's high liability. Um, so there we, have, we put in warnings, and we, we did a bunch of other things. So legalities of packaging vary by category. If you're a, anybody who's a food product, if you claim gluten-free, you must be gluten-free. If you're claiming organic, there's a lot of compliance. For organic foods so Steve, for your product specifically country of origin um, you may have some compliance around some some of the installation, but it's not really going to be legalities it's going to be like more about controlling your own liability that you don't ruin people's furniture you know because you don't want you don't want peeved people calling you. You're you're a great guy. I know you don't want that. <laughs> you know.
2: <laughs> well, I've had them up for about ten else? years now, and I haven't had any problems like that come up. So I think I'm fairly safe. Right,
0: but when you scale the the distribution, and it's you don't have as many chances to talk to the person, your packaging and your instructions have to replace what you would say.
2: And no, people are that, not very knowledgeable I, when it comes to furniture glides, so they don't uh they don't understand very well easily. Mhm
0: exactly. And so for everybody um you know keep that in mind when you're doing packaging that packaging needs to replace what you say to people. That doesn't mean that what you are saying is necessarily the most effective way to put whatever needs to be said. Right. Um, were you the one who asked the question about the video inserts?
2: No, it wasn't me, but it, but I'm doing most of everything I do now is, is really video because you can't explain what these do without it.
1: Right.
0: What you want to do when you're doing video for everybody is when you are doing a video, you do want to script it out. You want to have at least an outline of your talking points. Um, otherwise, it gets really easy to be very rambly. So even for one of these shows, I have three sections of the whiteboard going with notes for each section to make sure that I I hit the things that I think everybody should be hearing about it, okay? So script it out at least in outline form, and definitely script the call to action, the what do you want to have happen if they are more sales-related videos, okay?
2: Okay. Yeah, I it found that just, just putting a video with nothing, not even any sound, gets more response than anything else. With these. They just look well, at it and go, what is that? You know.
0: Yeah, 85% of videos um, on Facebook are watched with the sound off.
2: Yeah, you have to physically Crazy turn it on most of the time. Yeah.
0: Mhm. 85% of the videos for Facebook, though, are sound off. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> but anyway, does Whatever that answer works. your question? Yeah. yeah,
2: that, yeah that, that, does that, that answer that helps, your question like about you legalities? There, there, there's always, you know, people have always, you know, some companies have always asked me, "Have you checked this out? Or is everything legally done on your, on your, you know, on your packaging?" And I'm going, you know, what's to be legal? I mean, how far can I go? You know.
0: Well, you would see, you know, do you have the trademark notification on it? Um, If you mention somebody else's product, did you notify that their trademark is registered to them? Um, Like, people do that a lot. They miss that with phone accessories. They'll have an iPhone on the package, and they don't notify that, you know, iPhone is a uh, trademark registered to Apple. Um, So there's things like that. And then copyright standards. um, There's there's a ton of little nitty-gritties that our packaging, when we work on it, we send it through legal review.
2: Yeah. Well, with mine, there's really nothing to compare them to, so I don't have to worry too much about that.
0: Well, that's just the comparative claims. You'd also want to make yeah. sure, you know, if you, have you filed the trademark? Um, is it granted? Are you using the right uh, nomenclature for it? Is it the Circle R or is it the TM? Um, those are a little different. So... That's – there's also some things like um, an example of a retailer having a requirement. If you were going to sell to Walmart Canada, you have to do trilingual packaging, which is crazy but true. (laughs) That means you need English, Spanish, and French Uh
2: for every piece of text.
0: Every piece of text, if you're selling Walmart Canada, needs to be trilingual. And there's um, requirements on the font size. I like, um, if I'm remembering now, I always have to look it up in in our records because we want to make sure we get it right for clients. But the um, Spanish and French have to be at least 50% of the size of the English. If I remember correctly, it's 50%. Um, Lowe's requires Spanish. Um, so when you get into some of the hardware folks, they can start to make requirements of your packaging, which are legal requirements, and then there's consumer product safety testing. That's probably the other piece you guys are asking about. But you don't have a lot of that.
2: No, I shouldn't be involved with too much of that, and hopefully it's, uh, you know, another reason I just want to – hopefully if I can just get them licensed and get out of the whole mess, I'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It's too yeah.
0: much for, you know, I mean, you a single don't need
2: person to... to try to do.
0: I... Yeah, when, when people are doing packaging and if it's something that's for a small child, you have small parts warnings. There's different standards based on the ages. So those are all legal compliance pieces, some of which do not apply to you. Okay?
2: Well, that would be one thing if one, for everybody. Yeah, if, if one of these bases would pop off of the chair and a, ch- and a child would, you know, put it in its mouth and choke on it, then what? Nobody can really answer I, that know, question. You know, well, the, the small parts warning
0: is, okay, again, we're getting into legalities here, so I will give you my perspective on it. This is not legal advice, okay? Small parts warnings are uh, the purview of the Consumer Product Safety Commission, and uh, so cpsc.gov, and it is if the product is intended to be used um, by children or for children, um, and the small parts warning <clears throat> is a little different based on the age of the children too. That's why you see a lot of things will say, you know, games that have a lot of little pieces will have an age restriction. It's not so much the cognitive ability of the of what it takes to play the game; it can be the the size of the pieces in the box that drive that. Crazy but true. Okay.
2: A few more laws, and then we'll all be happy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Consumer Product Safety Commission is, for large part, well intentioned. You know, it's just figuring out what complies, what applies to you, and what doesn't.
2: Right. right. Um,
0: And and reading the intent. We had one client where we actually renamed the product because what she had called the product. We were never going to be able to comply with the standards required for that definition of a product, and her product wasn't even that. She just used it, and we're like, okay, well, no, 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 we need to rename this. We self, it, it was expensive for her to try and comply before we renamed the product. It cost her $12,000 to comply in two states with that standard. It was and it wasn't even the right standard for what her product really was. So for it that's a story for everybody. <laughs> but I think you're doing really great. And you know, we do reviews of packaging for people. So we do that a lot in consulting time. If you want to take advantage of that, contact us and we'll set you up with some consulting time and get you more dialed in on it. And, and we if can things also do take some off, I will
2: for you. Probably need to do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, cool. Well I gotta run because 'cause we've got a client to email, Lizette. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, don't mind me, I'm just I'm for... just
2: here getting, you know taking up your time.
0: Uh, no, 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 no. You're doing awesome. <laughs> You're doing awesome. I just noticed I'm half an hour
1: over for today. Yeah, yeah. But
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna mute your line for your privacy. I'll we'll be back in, in two weeks, everybody. And um I do have Oren Orin Haddam's uh, video checklist. We will be sending that out to clients. Oren has asked us to not distribute the recording, so um, it will not be put up on our blog, and we're working out whether I can send everybody the, the uh, a link to a private recording or not. So with that, um, watch your emails. We will uh, be sending something out, and um, we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye, everybody.